is Tanner Molendyke a Mario Ferraro clone, or does he have an offensive upside that we just haven't seen from Mario Ferraro? Uh, Keegan from San Jose Hockey Now joins to profile the Saskatoon Blades Blue Liner. Your Locked On Sharks, your daily podcast on the San Jose Sharks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to Locked on Sharks, the premier hockey podcast of your favorite team in the Bay Area. My name is J.D. Young, contributor at San Jose Hockey Now, and I want to thank you for making Locked on Sharks your first listen, proudly a part of the Locked on Network, where we cover your team every day. If you want to be an everydayer, all you got to do is just come back tomorrow. Uh, check out Locked on Sharks wherever you get podcasts or you can watch this on YouTube as well. Uh, Keegan from San Jose Hockey Now makes his return to the podcast. We talk about Tanner Molendyke, uh, the Saskatoon Blades defenseman, and why he kind of looks like a Mario Ferraro type of clone. But there might be a little bit more offensive upside there than what we've seen from Mario Ferraro. Uh, so we discuss what what Tanner Molendyke, what kind of makes him intriguing, his ups, his downs, and, and where he would fit in the Sharks prospect pool. Uh, and then we talk about Corey Pronman's uh, mock draft and kind of the picks for the Sharks and what we kind of feel about that going forward. So before we get into today's episode, do want to let you know that it is brought to you guys by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNHL and enter the promo code LockedOnNHL. We'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. And now we bring in Keegan, a.k.a. Half-Wall Hockey of San Jose Hockey Now. Uh, buddy, how's it going? Good. How are you, man? You Doing well. Just a little bit. We yeah. Uh, you sporting the very sweet Coyotes jersey today. Uh, too bad they're going to be in Salt Lake City in like three years. Uh, now listen, Gary Bettman is he's very saying, patient. He's very patient. <laughs> We're going to do whatever it takes to keep hockey in the desert. <laughs> um, I, he's been saying that since I got this jersey, probably in 2004. So if that gives you any indication, they might be there for another 20 years. They might be there for another 20 years as they just wander like Moses wandering the desert right now, trying to find a home uh, for the next 20 years in, in Arizona. So uh, one person who won't have to wander very far in the draft room, or at least we hope, um, will be one Tanner Molendyke. So Tanner Molendyke, if you are unaware of him, um, is a five foot 11, 176 pound defenseman who plays for the Saskatoon Blades, um, AKA Tristan Robbins old team. He is a left-handed defenseman. We know the Sharks have, uh, I think a thousand left-handed defensive prospects. Yep. Last season for the Blades, he has 67 games. Uh, Nine goals, 28 assists on 141 shots on goal. And then he added another eight points and 18 playoff games for the Blades. Uh, so, Keegan, as we typically do, what makes Tanner Molendyke such an intriguing prospect? Oh, intriguing. Um, I think that's the – I love that word that you keep using for every, every single one. Uh, I think Molendyke is a good uh, example of a specific trait that's so intriguing. Because Molendyke is probably the best skating defenseman in the draft. Um, or if not, at least top two or three. Um, mm -hmm. You can argue maybe Simishev, maybe Guliaev. Um, but for my money, Molendyke, his combination of 
his defensive IQ and his skating is what really makes him the most intriguing prospect in the draft. So you talk about his skating um, and why it's so good. I mean, we know the Blades, very good team, went very far in the, the playoffs this year. You didn't really see the production, though, you would kind of expect for a potential you know, first round, end of the first round, beginning, you know, you look at a guy like Jacob Savage, who we talked about, you know, was had was over like basically a point per game. Granted, he had a hundred more shots. You know, you look <laughs> at some of these other defensemen kind of in this range who point production yeah. is, is much higher. Do you care about the points or are you just like this guy's good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, I I don't really care about Tanner Mullendyke's points. And I think okay. And I think that's a, a very similar argument that people make with Dmitry Simashev is they don't really care about his points. And Dmitry Simashev has the advantages of being a little bit taller, um, a little bit more of a pro-style body and frame and everything than Molendyke is. He's a tiny bit shorter. He's 5'11". But Molendyke just is so good at defending off the rush that if you if you put Molendyke in those specific scenarios in like a pro system right now, I think he could do okay. <laughs> and that is really impressive. He's just, it's not just like his skating is taking him far offensively. Um, and I think that's honestly one of the areas that needs to improve is using his skating to impact play offensively. But defensively is where he excels with it. He's really, really great at um, uh, four-way mobility, really, really great at having his stick out in lanes and being able to cover a huge amount of ice um, just by the way that he moves. Mm. Um, a lot of times you'll see junior defenders or defenders when they're trying to poke check, when they're trying to put their sticks out, they stop skating. They just kind of like stand still and wait for the play to come at them. He's That's moving. just me and, and Chell too. I just stand there waiting. Yeah, you yeah. just like sit there, you press the button and you do, you do, so you do the swing and you hope. Yeah. It's obviously that happens a lot in juniors too. Um, but Molendyke is moving when that happens. So he's pressing out forward. He's like pushing backwards with his body to um, cover ground while he's like matching speed with attackers. And he does that on every play, every shift. And it's really, really impressive what he can do um, by affecting play defensively. So we could start there. Cause I think that's the, the one part of his game that's definitely going to probably uh, take him to the NHL level. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like he is already where he's, or at least on track to being where he needs to be defensively. Right. And that's mm -hmm. usually what you don't see. Like you kind of said, especially for junior players and uh, defensemen where it's the offensive side of the game. And then they're trying to work on the defensive side of the game and make that kind of pro ready um, with his offense. I mean, granted, I, you know me, I'm very much defenses for nerd score points, mm -hmm. score offense. What can he do? do with the offensive zone or is he, is he a negative in that area or is it just, he hasn't really had a chance to kind of show what he can do yet. I mean, like you said, they're pretty deep team in, in general. So he wasn't always getting every single offensive uh, minute. He wasn't getting uh, every single time first power play minutes either. So um, I think there's a little bit of that. He just doesn't have the opportunities that Dragosevic had or, or a bunch of other defenders where they're, you know, playing every single minute in the offensive zone, no matter what. Um, that's part of it. I think he occasionally will show off that he's able to use his feet to go through, you know, five guys, enter the zone, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really that next step of what do you do when you get into the zone that I think he has some issues with. And it's not issues. It's just he needs to mature the way that he thinks about uh, what to do with the puck because he's, he's great at getting it back. He's great at defending the rush and he's great at getting up ice and then 
sometimes he'll just kind of throw it away or he'll lob a shot on net where he should have held it a little bit longer or skated into the corner and, and created another opportunity for his teammate. Um, there's some issues with his pass accuracy as well. I think he hits people's skates or people in their skates a little too often for mm-hmm. um, my liking that I think will clean up with time, but it's really just, he needs to transition from just, I'm really, really good at skating, getting into the zone and doing something with it, with it when he gets there. Kind and of building the last, that next, that next level with it. Right. Yeah. That last part also is that his shot is not amazing. Um, he, um, has some decent speed on the on his shot, but it's nothing very special, and it's not going to um, translate extremely well unless he improves it, basically. But this is okay. also like negative things. There's still a lot more positives, I promise. <laughs> All right, before we continue with Keegan, um, we look at where Mullen like, would kind of fit in in the Sharks' prospect pool and why he might be the best one him or Muka Majulin you can kind of make the argument for between the two um we do need to take a quick break talk to you guys about our new friends over at bird dogs and bird dogs uh, have become a staple in my weekend attire um if you're like me usually the weekends are pretty busy you're running around maybe you got kids soccer in the morning uh, maybe you're running errands maybe you're at the brewery maybe you're at the pool maybe you're, you're doing a bunch of things um bird dogs has the comfort and versatility that you need especially into these hot summer months um the great thing about it they they just they just fit so nice they a stretch shorts but they look kind of like khakis so you can kind of wear them out wherever and you're not going to be kind of like that guy who has the weird shorts um they the you know they they don't restrict you you have plenty of breathing room for everything in there so go check them out like i said they're going to cover whatever you need for your summer months. If you like shorts with a little bit longer inseam they got you covered there if you like to show off the legs a little, a little bit Bird Dogs has got you covered there. So um, head to birddogs.com slash LockedOnHL. Enter the promo code LockedOnHL for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddog.com slash LockedOnHL for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You don't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. <laughs> All right. So what, what are some of the more of those positives? So, you know, we kind of harped on what he needs to improve on. So what, what do you think? I mean, we know his – you said his defensive skills. It sounds like his – ability to kind of think the game especially defensively right where you said he's mm-hmm. not like he can do two things he can walk and chew gum it's not like he can do you know <laughs> um he can only do one thing at a time is is for sure is he going to be one of those like high iq i'm never going to be out of position kind of defenseman you think yeah that's that's a really good thing and i was thinking about this when we we talked about doing this episode is what are his paths like what are mm-hmm. the ways that he's going to improve his game um to get where he goes because i think the the comparable that's used for him most frequently is is Mario Ferraro, <laughs> the very noted shark that we all know of. Um, because Ferraro is a good skating defenseman. He's left-handed. He's very similar size to, to Molendike. Um, he's competitive. He works hard constantly. Um, and he's always active in the in the defensive zone. He's trying to get the puck back and he's defending the rush. And all the things that we loved Ferraro for when he first came into the NHL, we were like, oh my gosh, he stepped out of college and he's right in the NHL kind of thing. Yep. Now we're all kind of questioning where's the next step. And I think that there is definitely a path where the same thing happens with Molendike, mm-hmm. where 
he could, you know, play a couple more years in juniors, come into the NHL, and you say, oh, my gosh, this guy can defend the rush. He can skate. He can pass out. He can do a breakout pass. He does all the things that I want my top four defensemen to do. And then you need that extra level. You need that, like, not just I'm really good at defending the rush, but I'm really good at breaking up a cycle. I'm really good at retrieving the puck. I'm really good at bossing people around in the defensive zone. And I'm really good at getting that puck to the forwards kind of thing. It's like that next bit that Ferraro's kind of missing and Molendyke could be missing in the future if he doesn't develop. So, yeah, I mean, we, Ferraro, I've talked about before, just how he's plateaued, right? Where, again, like, what has he added to his game as he's he's become, you know, where you're, what, four now of Mario Ferraro? God, it's already mm-hmm. year four. Um, <laughs> but, like, you know, we're going to, I think, like, what does is, what is Ferraro do? How does Ferraro kind of take that next step? And is that, that's kind of your worry with Molendyke is he, well, I mean, still having a Mario Ferraro on your team, like everybody wants a Mario Ferraro on your team, maybe at not 3.25 million for the next three years, but like you still want a Mario <laughs> Ferraro on your team. Everybody wants one, right? You want a Mario Ferraro on your team, but every single Stanley Cup team wants a Jacob Slavin on their team. That's what they want. And it's like the 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 next step, the the top pairing defenseman that is solid as the rock defensively. He's not mm-hmm. a liability in the offensive zone, and he can make breakout plays to the to the high skill forwards easily. So that's what you hope is the the future progression of someone like Molendyke is that he uses his amazing skating to really um, progress the other areas of his game forward. Okay, so we know Molendyke is kind of in that back end, beginning the second round type of uh, projection, and we the Sharks have you know two picks there, of course. Um, if the Sharks do draft him and he's the first defenseman off the board for the Sharks, you know, whatever, if it's pick 26 or pick 36, whatever it is, um, where do you kind of see him fitting in with the other Sharks defensive prospects? You know, kind of, um, I, I, I guess Muka Madulin is probably number one right now, at least among the blue liners. Mm-hmm. Um, you have guys like Dan LaRock, who I know missed a lot of the a lot of last season. Um, they've added some other guys like Furlong last season and Havlid. Where would you kind of, put him in in this you know kind of revamped uh blue line pipeline i think um just based off of the way that he plays he would be kind of this like a tie-ish with with for i think the best defensive prospect because there's so much raw ability there that there's a definitely a path for him to improve and if he mm-hmm. like takes a next step offensively when he goes back to juniors in saskatoon next year then it's uh, very clear that I think he would be the best Sharks prospect for uh, the defensive side, I think. But uh, he does need to improve in that area that um, could hold him back into that kind of second tier behind Mukumadulin. And also, depending on what Mukumadulin does next year on North American ice and everything. So, yeah, right around that area. I think you're slightly more excited about Mukumadulin than me. Yeah. Uh, But, I mean, he's definitely a lot of good qualities and uh i think it starts with him being very tall <laughs> he is very tall and last i taught you can't there's two you can't teach height you can't teach speed so uh those are the two things apparently you cannot teach um but you know i, I think with with a guy like Molendike, right we you actually even look at like gan larock uh mm-hmm. larock kind of picked in that fourth round we were like who's this dude um, then the next season, he really kind of uh, grew offensively. You look at, you know, just kind of a quick look at, at, at the Blaze roster. Um, their top scoring defenseman, um, I'm going to butcher his name, Adrian De La, De La, uh, 
Yeah. He's a 21. He's not going to be on the team next year, right? Uh, Charlie Wright, who's kind of their other, their second scorer, you know, he's going to be 20 by this time the season starts. So you yeah. look at a guy like um, uh, Molendyke, who might have the opportunity this year of that D plus one dr- year of just like exploding offensively. And then almost like we talked about with Bo, I talked about Bo Akey uh, a couple weeks yeah. ago where when you have a guy kind of in front of you taking, you know, especially a guy who's 20, 21, uh, kind of taking all those first opportunities. And then when they're gone, you kind of gives you your chance to shine. And if he's already got his defensive game kind of, you know, mm-hmm. worked out and then is able to add an offensive, uh, more offensive skill and more kind of production, that's where you can kind of start to really feel good about Molendike as, as may, almost like a sleeper type of, of situation. Right. Yeah. I think it's that increased opportunity, that increased ice time, um, and a little bit more confidence with knowing how he can really affect play with his skating. Yeah. Um, he's going to probably take him for next year. There's still obviously like the issues we talked about with his, with his shooting and some of his decision-making offensively, but just even, even still like the way that he's um, providing value for Saskatoon, every shift is, is impressive. And I won't say that his defensive game is very, very great, especially off the rush, but there is still some issues with, um, defending the cycle and also how he gets a little too aggressive. Like he knows he's such a good skater defensively <laughs> that he will like attack straight onto a guy and get it out of position that he really shouldn't because he knows he can double back if the guy passes through and kind of thing. Like it, he's just really aggressive. That's fine. Um, and sometimes it serves him well, sometimes it doesn't, uh, which is the exact opposite of somebody like Dragasevic where he's super passive defensively. He he will wait for plays to happen around him and just kind of try to get in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and Oladek's like, no, 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 this is this is not happening. This is my zone. It's not, it's not going down this way kind of if, thing. If you combine them, you'd either have the worst defenseman ever or the <laughs> best defenseman ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It would be the, the most awful, like a horrible shot with no defense. And with passive defense. Or, person ever. Yeah, or the best defenseman ever. So, um, Just, yeah, Nick Lidstrom. <laughs> Nick Lidstrom 2.0, uh, the Western Canadian version of Nick Lidstrom. So uh, before we kind of get to some of the bigger stuff, so what do you kind of – see his ceiling, everything works out. Where do you kind of see him landing for, for a team? It's kind of a, that second pair of defensemen who plays, a, you know, maybe a lot more kind of shutdown minutes and then can provide some offense go, type of situation. Yeah, I think that's also the reason why I'm pretty sure he's going to get picked in the first round, even though he's not the tallest. And I mean, he's like five foot 11, almost six feet. Um, and again, his production isn't great. I'm pretty sure he's going to be a first rounder just – I think he has such a floor with his already like above average to like higher uh, higher end skating that a team is going to fall for it and say, yeah, we need a defenseman like this in our system no matter what. And um, I think that's why he'll get picked there. And I think that's a, a great floor for him is somewhere in the middle pairing. Um, just uh, somebody that hopefully will round out the rest of his defensive game. Uh, and then if you're really, really lucky, um, really develops an offensive game that takes him uh, very far. Yeah, I mean, the, the compete thing sounds very Mike Greer. Compete guy who can skate sounds very oh, Mike Greer. It might be, it might be the Mike Greer pick. <laughs> might be the Mike Greer pick. So, all right. Before we finish up with Keegan, we talk about Corey Pronman's uh, latest mock draft and kind of how we feel about his picks and maybe what we would kind of lean or try to do uh, with the, with those picks. 
do need to take a quick break. Talk to you guys about our friends over at FanDuel. Right now, you can make a fast break uh, to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Um, The great thing about their app is it's safe and secure. They have amazing promotions running every day. and You get paid instantly, right? You don't have to wait for your winnings to to show up. Um, There's no better place to bet on all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Um, all right, before we get out of here, we want to kind of we want to touch on uh Corey Promin's latest mock draft. Mm-hmm. So uh he released a mock draft last week. Um it's on the athletic. Uh you should subscribe to the athletic. Corey does amazing work on the athletic, the, the shark speed writer. Uh, but they also have a bunch of other cool stuff on there. We don't want to give away too too much because again, it's a paid site, but um on that, though, he does have the Sharks picking number four, uh, Will Smith, the center from uh, the USN TDP program. And we'll start there because he has, of, of course, you know, Bedard going one, Fantilli going two, Leo Carlson going three, especially after the way he played in Worlds. Um, Will Smith going there. And I know it's been, at least in Sharks Twitter and Sharks discussion, it's Carlson, Michkov, or if you don't take Michkov, you're an idiot type of situation. <laughs> How would you feel about Will Smith? I mean, it's again, it's not like they're picking some bum. Will Smith is a really good player. Yeah. No, I think, um, and, and there's like a there's a specific quote in there, in, in the uh, the mock draft that kind of set the Twitter world on fire because um, Shank put out a thing that said, "Oh, do they have Reinbacher ahead of Michkov?" Kind of thing, and that's mm-hmm. that's coming from this article where. Pranman was basically saying, I could see Smith, Reinbacher, or Mitchkov as the pick in that likelihood. So basically, like, um, the most likely is Smith, Reinbacher ahead of Mitchkov. Um, I think I, in my heart of hearts, pretty much know it's probably going to be Will Smith. Like, I, it just feels so right. And and the the way that uh, Mike Greer talks about Will Smith, it's like somebody talking about, like, their, I don't know, like, their neighbor's kid. Like, he's like, I love this kid. I've seen him since he was 10. Um, (laughs) But, and then he talks about Mitch Cobb. He's like, he's a high skill forward that we'll have to consider all the options. It just, it feels more like a, like a Mike Greer pick. That being said, I like Will Smith. I think he's an excellent player. I think I have him fifth on my draft ranking. He's grown throughout the year, um, really taking over games. Like every, and granted his competition is is lower. um, Yep. And someone like Mitch Cobb. But he does take over games. Like he's just so skilled and he's so good at um, passing through defenders and, and waiting for plays to develop. Um, somebody was, was basically saying that he doesn't just like see a play and see a pass. He sees his deke, which will then allow somebody to be open, and then he will make that pass kind of thing. He's like mm. two, three steps ahead in the offensive zone. There's lots of issues with him defensively that, that need to be cleaned up while he's in college, but he's still an exciting pick if we do pick uh, Will Smith. Yeah. Reinbacher? Reinbacher. <laughs> that's the one, right? I mean, we, we we're both kind of on the same. We were talking beforehand where uh, Reinbacher is an exciting defensive prospect, but it feels very rich. I think uh, the draft value picking him at four feels very rich, right? Yeah. And if you were like at nine or 10, cool. 
knock yourself out. But especially in this year's draft where it is so for all the forwards, are, it's so heavy. And I, I, I just do not want to reach for the best defenseman in the class, especially for at, at number four. Sharks could be picking four again next year. But, I mean, we saw like a team like Arizona, right, who was kind of in that one, two, three spot. And then by the end of the year, they're, they're picking at six, right? Um you, you never know how when you're going to be up this high again. And I don't think either one of us thinks the Sharks are going to be incredibly good next year. But I don't think they're going to be a top five worst team in the NHL again next year. Yeah. Especially if they, you know, some of those overtime losses become overtime wins. Um, you're two under David Quinn. You're going to have Eklund. There's there's reasons to believe that this team might be a little bit better than what we saw if they trade carlson absolutely if they trade carlson that's a whole different <laughs> conversation and there's going to be regression from carlson that's that's a 100 a fact um how but sweet yeah. would it be if carlson scored 100 points for two years in a row? <laughs> but no yeah. uh <laughs> no but I, I do think um reinbacher is a little bit um yeah like you're saying like a little rich i, I think he he is my number one defenseman in the draft but mm. um I, and I, I like reinbacher a lot and i, I when I watch him, I understand that he's going to play in the NHL. Like you, you watch him, you, you know. Um, but it's yeah, it, it doesn't feel like he's as high value as someone like Will Smith, Matthew Mitchkoff, um, definitely not Leo Carlson, Adam Ventilli, or, or Bedard, who are going to probably go top three. So I hopefully that's just kind of like Ronman not baiting for clicks, but kind of feeding the fire a little bit of. of mm doubt you know like this whole Mitchkoff pick is the story of the draft I think yeah. and when we're there or when we we're watching the draft like that's what people are going to be watching for is where Mitchkoff goes so you know the next month is going to be a lot of stories about where Mitchkoff's going to go <laughs> yeah and I mean that's also part you have to also remember too is just the draft cycle things are cyclical I mean you know a couple of weeks ago was hey is Adam Fantilli that great and then he mm-hmm. just goes out and destroys in, in the turn you know the NCAA tournament like it's just it's this thing is this whole it's very cyclical of like yeah. guys rise and rise and fall etc cetera, etc cetera. you know even the Will Smith, Leo Carlson, right? Will Smith was a lot of people. Hey, Will Smith. Three overall, right? Yeah, three overall, great U18s. And then now after the Worlds where Leo Carlson is playing with men and had himself a great tournament as well. And it's like, okay, we're idiots. Leo Carlson's probably going to be <laughs> third overall in this yeah. uh, the, this draft because Leo Carlson's really awesome type of thing. Not that, again, not that Will Smith's not a great player, but it's just, it's just every time there's any little bit of new information we have to try to kind of and that's that's the dangers of two with the draft is also what are the gms feeding to to the media what what are the gms not feeding what is you know type of situation and i think that's that's the fun of it right now is the the next couple weeks so um before we let or go ahead sorry i think the there there's always the adage like you don't take the um the player that you like the skill or the position that you need you take basically the best player available kind of thing Yes. Um, but there is a lot of, and the reason why they might not pitch, pick Mitchkov is that the Sharks have just taken so many undersized skill wingers in the past three drafts that like it it feels like we have one too many, <laughs> and and not like all of them are going to make the NHL. I'm sure only maybe a handful or a couple, maybe yeah. one or two. Um, but we just have so many, and I feel like the the team needs a center. They know it. We know it. There were Couture and Hurdle are getting older. I feel like it's going to be Will Smith, so or Leo Carlson if if Columbus also decides to to lunge it uh, with Will Smith instead. Which either one, I'm happy with. 
yeah, I mean, again, as long as it's one of these three players, I'll be super happy with with the Sharks, yeah. right? I mean, yes, we have our personal preferences, and I think you you know, um, ask me today, I, I think I'm slightly Carlson. Ask me tomorrow, I'll be slightly Mitchkoff type of thing. Um, but again, whoever they pick, you're gonna be really happy with. So um, let's talk about his pick at 26, which was uh, Michael uh, Harabal, the goalie. How would you feel if the Sharks picked a goalie at 26? Um, some of the guys mm-hmm. left on his draft. So right afterwards uh, was Carson uh, Rickoff, um, Eaton Morin, yet Oliver Bonk, Gavin Brindley, Tanner Molendyke, uh, Danny Nelson, some of the, the available mm-hmm. players there, right? At least the next couple of picks. How would you feel about picking a goalie at 26? I'd be totally cool with picking Robo above Carson Rakoff. Uh, Oliver Bonk and Denny Nelson. Um, but I think there's just so much more value there. 26 that is, is being left off the board. And, and Michael Robble is a great goaltender, mm-hmm. but this, this draft is kind of like uh, to use an old locked on sharks coat, the creamy middle of, of, <laughs> of goalies. Like there's a lot of good goalies. There's not one specific goalie. And it's the same. It's the Reinbacher effect, but in goaltenders where yep. you pick one guy, that's the most archetypical, uh, is that a word? Archetypical <laughs> NHL Archetype. goaltender. Yeah. Archetype. Anyway. Yeah. anyway. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, that's the guy. We got to choose him high. And I don't think that's what the Sharks should do. I think they do need to draft a goaltender, but they have 12 picks this year. Um, it doesn't have to be in the first three. The first three should be reserved for, you know, these top of the the top 35 players that really, really are going to affect your, your team in the future. Because there's definitely a world where Michael Robble never touches the NHL. Yep. And there's a world where he's Vasilevsky. So I think it's too much of a risk to take at 26. I'd take a goalie at 94 or 96. I don't remember what the number is that they have. 96, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd take one there. There's, there's going to be somebody who falls through out of the the top five or six, like your Jacob Fowler's, your um, Trey Augustine's, your uh, Damian Clara's. Um, all, all one of these guys will fall, and I think that's the slot that you take one, um, and then you go for it. Maybe one later on too. Although it's very rare to draft two goalies. Uh, I mean, yeah, I would even again. They have twelve picks. Why don't you mm-hmm. package up ninety six and whatever else? And if you need to move up a couple, you know, 10, 15 spots in the third round, and throw, yeah, yeah. You've got three seventh rounders. You got two. Yeah, you have like two fifth rounders, two fourth round. Like just package up some of those if you, if you know, especially like a Trey Augustine or somebody like that is there, kind of, you know, middle of the third round. That is, I think that's a trading up is, again, it's not usually the best, but I think, again, when you have 12 picks and you need a goalie and there's a potential of getting one in the middle of the third round, I think that's the route to go. And mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with you. I think uh, this. I know the Sharks do need a goaltender of the future and you should continue to take, it's the quarterback thing, right? You keep taking swings at one yeah. until you find one. Um, but again, it's, it's too rich. And I think because he's the best one, this draft, and same thing with the Reinbacker, right? They're, they're just getting pushed up probably a little <laughs> bit higher than they need to be going. And, you know, that that's, he's, uh, he's probably second round pick. Cool. But again, I'd, I'd rather use that pick to try to find another impact player whether it's a defenseman or a forward try to find another impact player for the sharks who so and there will be a, a faller there's somebody that's coming to the day two that you're like how is riley height still available how is andrew crystal still available how are these super skilled yep. guys that are that 
should be first rounders by their skill and their production alone, but because of size concerns or skating concerns or whatever, they're going to fall. Um, one of those guys might be your, could be your pick at 36 that I think that it would be um, unwise to just uh, one of those first three picks to use a goaltender on. Yep. All right. Before we get at you out of here. Uh, so again, last time we asked uh, who's going to be the best player. And I think you said Fentilli uh, or Mitch. Mitch Mitchkoff, um, which player that gets picked at the end of the first, beginning of the second, uh, are we looking five years from now? Like, how did that guy go here? Who's your guy? Oh, man. Um, hold on. I'm pulling up draft rank. Uh, this is mine. You're saying, like, back end, and back end of the first round? Yeah, guy who gets uh, picked in the back end, and then we're like, how did this guy go this late? Hmm. I'd say someone like uh, Quentin Musty, but he might go a little bit higher, but he just has such a high skill level that there's a very real possibility that um, later on it looks really dumb because he's like <laughs> a point per game forward. <laughs> um, he's really he's really good. There's a lot of concerns with his compete level and his physicality for a bigger guy. It's not great, mm -hmm. but he's very, very skilled, and he's, he might go a little bit later just because of the – he's a big guy but plays like a small guy kind of thing. The Brandon Co. Uh, yes, yeah. the Brandon Co effect. That's a really good. That's a really good way to put it. Um, right. and, that, um, um, and then also Dragosevic because he's he's my guy. <laughs> he's very good. Uh, yeah, I, I think we're you and I are both on the pick about twenty six trade, so that that's uh, where yeah, if he's there. All right, um, where does Tanner Mullendike go in the draft? Uh, um. I'm going to say just right at the end there. Pronman is probably right on. Uh, I think he had him at 31. I'm going to say 30. Whoever has picked 30. Carolina, which means he'll definitely work out. So <laughs> 100%. He's going to be Jacob Slavin for the next decade, and we are screwed again. <laughs> Keegan, where can the people find you? So, again, with a really poor branding, I am at half-wallhockey.com. So it's like half with a little dash. Um, I'm going to be putting out a uh, top 100 with some honorable mentions at the end, probably in the next uh, week or two. Do I make the cut? That's the big question. Yeah, JD Young is the is actually number 17. Um, <laughs> no, 38 year old center. <laughs> decent skating. There's some. There's some. I don't know. There's a little bit of concerns over the physicality, and <laughs> I I do have the weight though. I mean, I don't have the size, but I have the weight that the yeah, players are knocking around. Yeah. The GMs are looking for. So yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, half dashboard hockey. I'll have a top 100 out before the draft. Um, and then also um, at San Jose Hockey Now, where I am uh, writing about different Sharks prospects uh, as frequently as I can. And uh, there might or might not be a um, special thing happening with San Jose Hockey Now uh, and me soon. So that's it. That's the only teaser I'll give you. I know. Uh, Keegan, thank you so much, buddy. And uh, I'll see you here in a couple weeks, buddy. Yeah, we go to the draft. Yes. Boom. All right, guys, hope you enjoyed my conversation with Keegan. Uh, Mullendike feels very, if all the other defensemen are gone, type of pick, um, which means my career will probably pick him. Uh, no, it, he, there's, I worry about the offensive upside with him, and I've famously defenses for nerds type of player, uh, you know, a, a person. But 
Molendek, I just I worry about the limited upside. Maybe next year when he kind of gets more opportunities, you see about the the offensive production. But that's the one thing that worries me. Defensively, he sounds great, um, but again, the offensive upside right now just kind of really really worries me. And I know as the Sharks are trying to rebuild this this blue line, um, I would rather go somewhere else. So we'll see. We'll see what the Sharks uh, do. But um, I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Sharks your first listen. Be back tomorrow where we talk about a very fun, intriguing player in Gavin Brindley. Um, so Austin Garrett from Smart Scouting joins. And we talk about uh, Brindley and what makes him such a fun prospect. So uh, three prospects this week. And we'll probably do be doing three more prospect profiles next week as we're getting closer and closer to the draft. So uh, make sure you guys are keeping it locked in at Locked on Sharks, wherever you get your podcast, And, of course, on YouTube as well. You can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Locked on Sharks. You can follow me on Twitter at myfryhole. And until tomorrow, bye, friends.